Welcome to Plans Are Booked, a podcast for every reader. I'm Molly Geller. I'm Stephanie Blackburn. And I'm Caitlin Madison. Mall. I know I'm coming in hot today. I feel like we're on the Kelsey podcast where I'm like, Molly, we've got to talk about it. New <laughs> news. <laughs> We are very amped because this week I got the chance to meet Donna Kelsey, a.k.a. Mama Kelsey, a.k.a. Mama Kels. Um, For those who live under a rock and don't know, she is mom to Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs, and she happened to be doing a campaign. Whoa, 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 whoa. And future MIL of (laughs) T-Swift. Also that. I mean... (laughs) Way to bury the lead on that. Jeez. <laughs> yes, I'm now two degrees of separation from T Swift. Um, Donna Kelsey is doing a campaign with one of my clients, Ibotta, which is a cashback app. And she is doing all these media interviews about how you can use Ibotta, save money on groceries, family travel, etc. Um, so I got to meet her on Zoom this week. And she was taking the calls from her home office. So I was able to see all of her framed family photos, including she had a couch behind her. Steph is losing it because her cat is like pining for her sister who's not even here. And she's like, it's like the most pathetic sound I've ever heard. Apologies. Huckleberry, sorry that you're so disturbed. Oh, here she comes. Anyway. I was observing everything about Donna Kelsey's background, and she had a stuffed Travis doll. I think that's really bizarre. Which I feel like had to be a gift from a fan. You don't just like order a stuffed doll of your son. Um, But it was very cool. I got to listen in as she was doing a couple of media interviews, and it was funny. One of the reporters said, are there any fashion looks that either one of your sons has worn recently that you loved or like thought was notable and she goes eh not really I guess Jason taking his shirt off at the Bills game was pretty exciting but uh I get to see that at the Jersey Shore so (laughs) that was like pretty I love that she outed her son for just like being a beast at the game yeah she also said just from like a things she's learned throughout parenting them and their success. The reporter asked like, what advice would you give to other parents of young athletes or parents who are new to the NFL? And she said, so many coaches told my boys that they weren't tall enough or they weren't fast enough or they were never going to make it. And she said, and I wrote this down. She said, stick to trumps talent every single day of the week. And I was like, Oh my God, Donna Kelsey, am I going to like get that tattooed on my body? I don't know. I just felt like it was so like (laughs) great. And she also got asked if she could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would she want it to be? And with zero hesitation, she said, Kristen Wiig. I feel like that explains her son's personalities a lot because if you listen or watch their podcast, they're constantly referencing comedy movies and like reciting lines from like chris farley movies and like you know like when taylor and travis were like first publicizing that they were dating one of the first things they did was like roll up to snl and announce like i feel like comedy is like a big a big part of their family but that is such a funny pick for her it was so funny and she also got asked if they have any 
game day rituals as a family or any foods that they always make. And she just goes, no, I'd rather be watching the game. So I usually just do like seven layer dip and ham and cheese subs. I like warm them up in the oven and that's it. If people want more than that, they got to get up and do it themselves. (laughs) Fair enough. She's got things to do, things to worry about. And I shared this with Caitlin and Steph right before we started recording, but I am now in possession of her cell phone. You heard it here. She can be bribed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She will not be using that cell phone number. I I very specifically said to Molly, I was like, well, when I was doing my Friday Night Lights podcast, I was getting a lot of phone numbers that I had no business having in my possession. And I was in my mid-20s and I just kept saying to myself, Caitlin, do not drunk dial any of these famous people on your phone because (laughs) that'll just be the end of the podcast. You'll never live it down. You'll be so embarrassed. Um, I mean, if you drunk drive dialed Donna Kels, I don't think you'd really like run into a whole lot of problems because I'm pretty sure that happens to her all the time with her children who she lovingly has mentioned she had to put on a leash when they were small. So, (laughs) and that they were both kicked out of preschool. I mean, that's pretty major. Jason describing himself or Travis, I can't remember which one, throwing a chair at another student i was like oh yeah that'll that'll get you out of there right quick yeah preschool is like optional they don't have to have you it's not public school you're not required to be there so if you're going to cause that kind of chaos they're just going to say toodaloo bye exactly well we also had a big day today yeah it feels like we've already like lived a full day (laughs) And it's one. <laughs> it's because we're so full on the brunch that you made that was delicious. We, Steph finished her book. We read it. First draft. Yes, first draft. Um, She finished her book, tentatively called Golden Hour. We all read it. She fed us. We gave her feedback. It's wonderful. Um, The food was wonderful. The company was wonderful. The drinks were com- like w- absolutely wonderful. Um, And... I don't know. I don't want to speak for Molly, but I feel like because of the book podcast, I feel like I was able to give much more um, detailed or like minute feedback than other times. Like, I feel like I usually give like, well, this theme or this trope or I didn't really like this character or I thought they were going to do this. And this was like much more um narrow it felt like when i was giving the feedback and i think that's one because this was a really good book and two um and two i think we're just like reading so much and talking about books that i'm like back like at english major level caitlin like 2006 caitlin who was like doing literary analysis on like a pretty regular basis and now i'm like back in that groove because of the pod i think that's so true and also because we've seen which books get published, how they get marketed, how they get promoted. We were talking with Steph about sort of what category she would see this book being in and how she would like it to be promoted. And I think because we have read across so many genres personally and in preparation for conversations here on the pod, we're very aware of which books kind of are very buzzy and which influencers are promoting them, which morning shows are having them on, all those things. We really notice it a lot more because we're talking about the book sometimes in real time. Um, But it's also, I think, very brave of you to allow people to give you live feedback. I think there are a lot of people who like to write the draft, send it to someone they don't know, Mm. try to get sort of third party, no emotional connection feedback. And you were like, hey, my best friends, would you like to read this and tell me what you think? 
Well, I also feel like you guys are going to be honest with me. And also because we read so many books, I feel like you can give me a fairly critical, um, you know, response and thoughts on it because it's not like you read a book here and there. It's like you, you really have to think about what works, what doesn't work. Um, and that's what really what I need in my editing is like, can what can be cut, what can't be cut, what needs to actually totally stay in there for the buildup of the story. Um, I also think we had a really interesting conversation at the end that I kind of wish we had captured to share on the pod about, you know, do I want this to be considered literary fiction versus romance and how I have this sort of um, built in bias. Bias. I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's it goes back to our first episode where I talked about my father um, qualifying my childhood love of Sweet Valley books as smut, and how I, you know, grew up thinking of romance as sort of chick beneath. Yeah. Oh God. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Um, I hate that term. I, I'm glad that it stopped being used. <laughs> I think Goodreads still. Has a category called chiclet. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, i I need to get over my my negative feelings towards romance. I love reading romance books. I don't know why I can't. I mean, I will. I will get behind the fact that I. I mean, I would love this to be literary fiction. I would also love it to be romance. I'm fine with either way. It's just I have this lingering. I don't know. Distaste. It's not distaste. It's almost like I. I feel like it's less than if it's, you know, literary fiction is considered more highbrow, I guess, or something. I don't know. I need to get maybe over it. Maybe not as prestigious. Is that yeah. kind of? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. And I think that this, um, I think that your concerns and your hesitation are like a really huge discussion in the publishing world because we're going mm. to an event in like two weeks that's literally about like, okay, romance has become this like huge best-selling category again. Why is that happening? Mm -hmm. And they're having three romance authors coming <clears throat> and it's authors that we like and we've read their books. Yeah. And I think that something that isn't being recognized outside of the people that are writing these books is that people are reading the romance books that have not just the tropes, but have interesting characters or likable characters, characters that you're rooting for. Mm -hmm. And like in a post pandemic climate, I think a lot of people are like, the news is crappy enough. Like if I read five headlines from CNN in my inbox in the morning, I need to like take my Lexapro immediately. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I need to like, <laughs> like ready the ship to go to work and do what I need to do and pocket that. And I think that romance novels have gotten a lot better. And I think that there's like a lot of escapism there and that mm -hmm. people are being more thoughtful about the setting of them. You know, I mean, there's people like Elon Hildebrand who's made like an entire career mm -hmm. off of having books that take place on Nantucket. And like, that's a, that's a thing that people like to daydream about and they connect with that. And I think that, other authors are seeing that and and starting to pay attention to like okay like i want to romanticize this place and i mm -hmm. want to write about you know nebraska because i know nebraska or i want to write about jackson hole because i know jackson hole and 
I think that there's more depth that's happening there. And I also, this panel that we're going to is also going to talk about inclusive characters because Mm -hmm. now you're getting rom-coms that have, you know, people on the spectrum. You have people that are dealing with gender roles or societal roles or, you know, mixed marriages. Is that what we even call that anymore? I feel like that's so fucking dated. Oh, sorry. So dated. But, but, um, I, you know, whatever we're calling that these days, I, I just think that there's more, the conflicts are richer. Mm-hmm. There's more going on than just like them meeting and having a one night stand and then like yeah. chaos ensues. Like, I think that there's a lot more going on. And that's why people like, Carly Fortune were like in the lit section of the bookstore mm-hmm. I went to the other day as opposed to the romance section. I think part of it is also when we grew up, romance was like in the grocery store, it was like the bodice rippers. Like that's that's the extent of what romance Fabio. was. Fabio. That's yes. what I think of is Fabio yes. with his shirt ripped. Yeah. The hair, the, hair. the wind. And I and I and that is not what this book is. And I think that's my problem is I need to to realize that romance has gotten so much bigger and encapsulates so much more and is not just the literature um that it once was and i need to did you just say what i think you said <laughs> she sure did that's a term yes literature yes. <laughs> that just made my whole day <laughs> wow i love that so much <laughs> I love that so much. Can I interrupt to just say that I got a live text on the show from my BFF. She's at her local bookstore in New Hampshire. They have a display in their cafe where they label books as coffee orders. And one of them is a Lynn Painter book, which she listens to the pod. So she's like, I figured I had to send this to you. I'll have Molly, our social media producer, put this on later on the Insta. But um, I'll just tell you, I won't tell you all the books that they do it for, but the Lynn Painter one is The Love Wager. Mm -hmm. And it says caramel mocha latte with double whipped cream and a chocolate drizzle. That that tracks. Yes. And then I'll (laughs) give you one more just for comparison. There's like five or six books in here another one is the um my name is barbara the barbara streisand uh, mm-hmm. autobiography an overcomplicated iced latte <laughs> <laughs> so anyways they're having fun at this bookstore in the cafe um but i love that and we love getting stuff like this and ellie's my bff and so she has an obligation to send me these things but i we would love it if people that have less of an obligation send us stuff too on Instagram <laughs> at plans are booked just to just throw that in there. Yes. And speaking of things in the wild, Steph and I took a little Metro West road trip yesterday to Hudson, Massachusetts. Um, and we shared on our Instagram, these gorgeously wrapped blind date books that we discovered that had not only beautiful paper on the outside concealing the cover as is often the case in these displays, but the most like lovely descriptions and then like flowers. Were they dried flowers? Fresh flowers? I think they were dried. It, it felt like like a someone really put a lot of effort into it, but also really thought about a date. Yes. And it also <laughs> felt like you could give it as a gift. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. when you see them wrapped in like the brown butcher paper, you're just going to take it home and rip it open. But I saw that and I was like, I would literally gift that to someone without yeah. even knowing what was on the inside because it looked so nice. Especially with Galentine's coming up. Fantastic Absolutely. Idea. And she also sells 
vintage books in the store. They were in a very beautiful display. Um, there weren't any titles that jumped out at me as very famous that like everybody would know, but we also made a second stop on the way home at this place called Avenue C in Framingham. And they also have a bunch of vintage books and there, there were some more famous ones, but it's one of those things where like, even if you already own a copy or you've read it on a Kindle, they're just such beautiful decor. Those vintage books, they just immediately elevate like any space. And if you love to read, it's just a nice way to support these small businesses is to kind of take these older ones off their hands and find a way to display it in your own home. As a cool segue, I think, into what this week's episode is about, um, not only did Steph make a beautiful brunch for us to dissect her book, um, but she also loves to cook. And so she had one of the important aspects of her book, Golden Hour, that she just wrote, the male protagonist can't cook. And then um, as like a, a way to get through a breakup and also a way to um, kind of rekindle something, he starts to like actually learn how to cook to impress a girl. And um, this week's episode is about cookbooks. And in addition to that, it's almost Valentine's Day. And Although maybe like a cookbook doesn't seem like a sexy gift to give to somebody. If somebody showed up on my doorstep with a cookbook and said, I'm also going to make you something out of this, mm -hmm. they're going to get exactly what they want at the end of that <laughs> Valentine's Day. I was going to say, if you make me dinner, you can have anything you yeah, want. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So like, just like, I don't know how many guy listeners we have, but like, that's just a tip from me to you. You're welcome. Um, so we're going to get into some cookbooks. Who wants to go first? Well, I'll just continue the segue. Um, today, when we had the book brunch, I made tachos, which for anyone not in the know, this is one of my brunch staples. It is tater tot nachos. Um, but the second dish, I did a croissant uh, bread pudding, I guess you'd call it, or a croissant bake. Um, and I took, I, I took liberties. But essentially, I worked with um, Chrissy Teigen's Hungry for more, a uh, cravings. Hungry for for more book um, is one of my go tos for Thanksgiving every year. I make her um, uh, corn pudding, but she makes it with jalapenos. I make it with green chilies. That's my little spin on it. I did not know that the corn pudding was a Chrissy tea. Oh, it is. Oh, that's my favorite dish every year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> But for today, I had no idea. <laughs> for today, I took um, her recipe, which is a croissant bread pudding ham cup. Obviously, Molly and I do not eat meat, um, and so I did a little, a little spin on it, but kind of riffed off of that. What I love about this book um, or any of her cookbooks is that they're very accessible. Um, you know, I meaning you already have a lot of the ingredients in your house no. or oh, meaning I it's mean, not building. hard. Yeah. It's not hard. Um, I she looked right at me when she said that, by the way, <laughs> listeners, Molly's not the chef of the group. <laughs> I mean, uh, my other, um, probably best cookbook is a Jacques Pepin cookbook and that is not for a beginner. Um, but Chrissy knows who she's marketing to. Um, I feel like anyone could try any of her recipes and come out with a pretty decent product. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know if she had a ghostwriter do the descriptions or if she did it herself, but it feels like it's actually her that you're talking to. Um, 
she has broken this up into lots of great sections. There's an entire potato section, which is just like a girl after my own heart. Um, and there are some like slightly harder things, but like I, I just like a cookbook that doesn't feel like a Julia I, – I don't like to stereotype, but like Julia Child's cookbooks are n- not necessarily for someone who has never cooked before. No, she's can be really frustrating because she's yeah. really down with the chemistry of how foods interact. Right. And so I just feel like sometimes I know some people can feel a little intimidated with cooking. Um, I am not usually a recipe person unless I'm hosting. Um, every night when I I just make whatever I feel like, what I feel like adding, it's sort of like a what do I have to work with? What can I make type thing? TikTok has become a really big oh. thing for me in that realm because – you can literally type in like ground pork and mm-hmm. then like a thousand videos will come up of people doing things with it. And I'm like, okay, I, I have all of those things right now in my pantry. Fantastic. Yeah. I just, I really like an accessible cookbook for anyone. I also would totally lend this out to people because I just think it's, it's a great all around cookbook. Um, my second one that I'm going to share is the Blue Zones Kitchen, which maybe you watched the um, documentary on Netflix. It is about, I believe there are eight places across the world where many of the um, people who live there make it past 100. And so um, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly. Dan Bootner, potentially, Butner, Bootner. Um, he traveled and sort of you know, talk to everyone to figure out what is the common denominator for the people that live in this location. And it's about the food. It's all about um, what they are eating. Yes, there are recipes from each of the places, but it's more just about the story that he's telling with all of these locations. Um, I have not actually watched the Netflix special. It's been on my list. But um, if you're if you're feeling like you need a change, I mean, it is January. Maybe you need a change. Maybe you're trying to eat healthier. Um, there are a hundred recipes in here and they're not big involved recipes. It can be like little side dishes and, and little salads and things. Um, so I would highly recommend the Blue Zones Kitchen. Love it. Well, I have two very different kinds of books. <clears throat> so the first book I have is Stanley Tucci's Taste, My Life Through Food, which is a memoir and he intersperses recipes from his family um and like very cleverly comes up with like and then at this time of year we cook this and you know this is it kind of reminds me of this moment in my life um and i actually listened to the book on audible and then i was so intrigued by some of his recipes that i then actually bought a physical copy of the book and one of the first recipes it might be the first recipe in the entire book um is a thing that I, as a single lady, this is like a recipe that I make pretty frequently. It's the very complicated title of eggs with tomato. (laughs) And it's so his mom would always get like one night off a week from cooking and they wouldn't order out. His dad would make eggs with tomato. And it's very simple. These are literally the ingredients, olive oil, Uh, One medium large onion, one cup of whole plum tomatoes, four large eggs. And basically you just simmer the tomatoes. And I usually put a bunch of seasoning in too, but like Mm -hmm. you simmer the tomatoes, you crush them with your hands or like a wood spoon. And 
then you, um, once they get to a certain point, you drop the eggs in and then the eggs just bake in the tomato with this feels with like onion. a shakshuka. It is like a shakshuka, but like an Italian one. Mm-hmm. It's delicious and it's so stupidly easy and it's like a dad Friday night meal. I usually try to have some kind of crusty bread with it because mm. that's what I like. Or I'll make toast or an English muffin um, because it's like really juicy and you want to soak it up. But like it's so simple. But then like some of his recipes are super involved and like very complicated. And some of them are like you've got to make your own sauce three days in advance. And, that mm-hmm. you know, but I just thought it was such a cool way to tell stories. And um he makes a really complicated dish called timpano for Christmas and um, everybody loves it, but like it's an all hands on deck kind of recipe. Like it, it takes like a lot of people and a lot of time. And he talks about like the first time he did it with his second wife, like his first wife passed away and he got remarried. And the first time she was experiencing like his kids coming over for the holidays and like the chaos of making the timpano and by second wife, do you mean Emily Blunt's sister? Yes. Okay. Felicity. Yep. Um, <laughs> Felicity and- Blunt, book agent to Bonnie Garmus of Lessons in Chemistry. Oh, Whoa. I didn't know that. <laughs> Did not know Since that. Since you gals don't always read the acknowledgments, you perhaps <laughs> missed the huge section of the acknowledgments in Lessons in Chemistry where Bonnie Garmus says, I only wanted to publish this book if Felicity Blunt could be my agent. Oh, well, I've never read the book, so <sighs> that's the problem there. Um, but anyways... I love Stanley Tucci's movies. I love Stanley Tucci's writing. I love listening to him read this. There's also cocktail recipes in here. He really convinced me that like I should not making I should not be making certain pasta dishes with pasta that's not recommended. For example, I am the girl that slobs on myself at a restaurant and so if there's a dish I'm interested in but it comes with like linguine that I have to twirl I will often say, do you have a ziti or a cavatappi or something that like I'm not going to fling on myself? And that is a big no-no in Stanley Tucci's rule book. And he says that the sauces are supposed to cling to certain mm-hmm. pastas a certain way and you're supposed to twirl certain things and et cetera. And like he actually made me believe that. And so if I'm making something myself, I will follow the rules. But when I'm in a restaurant, I still I still do sway to something that's less messy. So that's my first book, Taste Tucci. Before you move on from that, I also read that book and I don't cook and I loved it. I thought the narrative around the moments where he was sharing these meals, especially the stuff from his childhood was really moving. And if you haven't watched his food travel show on CNN called Searching for Italy, I highly recommend it. It's so good. It made me want to book a trip immediately to places I had already been just to eat what he ate and to sort of follow the path. Um, so even if you're not a big chef cooking person yourself, I think you would still love this book. Um, my second book is called cook this book, uh, by Molly Baz. Molly Baz was a big time chef, like a la the bear, um, and got to a point where she just felt like she didn't have a life and, she also felt like she was cooking the same things over and over again and that creatively it was like really limiting. So she started posting more cooking show style things on like Instagram and YouTube and like really started to get kind of a cult following. And then she was like, I'm going to write a cookbook. 
the cookbook is like super glossy. Like there's photos for almost every single recipe in it. Um, and there are also most of the recipes have QR codes in them so that if you are not fancy enough that you have like one of those cookbook holders in your kitchen, you can like just have it up on your phone or your iPad and she makes that really accessible. Um, my favorite recipe, first of all, like I feel like it's important to note that like she has an entire entire category that's just eggs, mm-hmm. like an entire chapter. And she also has another chapter that's just nudes noodles um (laughs) and she's just like really funny and she has um you can subscribe i think she has like a cooking patreon that you can subscribe to now where you like get special recipes and stuff that she doesn't put out to the whole world this book came out in 2021 she just had a new one come out like a month ago i don't know the name of it um and she has a dachshund, which I have an affinity for. I don't want a dachshund, but like my brother has one and I feel very fond of Winnie. And she has a dachshund and she's just like, she's just got like a funny sense of humor. And like, she has all these like really adorable like captions that go with all of her, um, all of her recipes. So for example, there's one one description for a pomodoro that's like this recipe owes all of its simple glory to a darling italian nona named graziella who housed me fed me and taught me to speak italian during a semester abroad in florence 12 years ago she opened my eyes to the principles of cooking simply and gracefully with little more than a few high quality ingredients la da 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 so she like gives a little backstory to a lot of her um creations and she does get pretty funky with her combos my favorite thing that I have made from this is called peanutty pork noodles with crunchy celery. It is delicious. I did not believe in myself to make a peanut sauce. And I looked at the ingredients and I was like, I already own a lot of these things. Like, I think I can handle this. Um, and she just, she has like a lot of cool ideas. She puts together a lot of things that like I wouldn't normally like this, one of these is grapefruit and burrata salad with chili crisp. Like mm. she does like a lot of flavor burst kind of things, I would say. Um, and she's just cool. I just like kind of want to be friends with her. She's based in LA. She is, she's just cool. Molly Baz. So those are my two. I feel like that book would also be an amazing gift. It's just beautiful. The photography is beautiful. It's really, I think that she's really good friends with the person that did the photography, if I remember correctly. Um, And she, like some of her recipes have like won awards at Bon Appetit and stuff like that. She's like really cool. And I think our age, I think she's like maybe 36. Wow. Shout out to a fellow Molly. Um. I brought two cookbooks to share for today. The first one is called Kids Cooking, a very slightly messy manual. Which I also owned, but completely forgot about. So my I sister, don't have it anymore. So my sister and I both shared this cookbook, which came when we first got it with measuring spoons attached. Cute. They were all in primary colors, yellow, blue, red. Um, and we cooked from this all the time. Like our parents trusted us to make anything that was in here pretty much unsupervised. I'm going to show you a visual of the thing that we used to make for lunch. It's called tuna cones. <laughs> Color me intrigued. <laughs> These are 
tuna fish inside of cake cones, like ice cream cones. No. Yes. And we would <laughs> make these faces on them like you see here with like the olives or the pickles. This was like our go-to thing. We thought this was like hilarious and delicious. But the reason that this book is so worn, Steph and Caitlin can see there's like butter stains all over it, is because the chocolate chip cookie recipe in this book is the best one that I have ever personally made or eaten. I'm excluding the cookies that Stephanie makes because she makes tons of chocolate chip cookies and she also makes a lot of GF chocolate chip cookies. So that's like a whole other category, but I'm talking about things I have actually baked myself. It's called Daryl's Forget the Cookies, Just Give Me the Batter chocolate chip <laughs> cookie recipe. You can see how worn it is from all the like places we dropped the chocolate mm -hmm. or we dropped the brown sugar. And touched it with greasy hands. Yeah. Love I just it. love that there's like all these cartoon images it, of like what sized bowls you should use and like this is what your cookie sheet should look like. So even if you can't read, you can get out the right things. This it feels related to Richard Scary stuff. It is looks it? just like Richard right? Scary. The cartoons do look yes. similar to Richard Scary. Great point. This book is still available if you're looking for gifts oh for kids, gosh. by the way. It's still oh my available. Gosh, you can still get it? Oh, yes. What is it, the 33rd edition or something by now? I don't even know, but I wanted to give it to a friend's daughter who was like eight, nine, who was getting really into cooking. And I was like, is this even still a thing? Oh, it is. And you can still get it. Love that. So the second one is called Vegetarian Express Lane Cookbook. The reason I brought this one is because I decided to become a vegetarian when I was 13 years old. I was at overnight camp and I was in a bunk with other girls who grew up always eating vegetarian. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I'll try this and see if I can eat like this. So when my parents came to pick me up at the end of the eight weeks, we were driving home from upstate New York. We stopped somewhere to eat lunch and I ordered something like completely atypical. And my parents were like, why did you order that? And I just proudly was like, I'm a vegetarian now. <laughs> and my dad was like, no, you're not. Like, that's not how we eat in our household. And I was like, well, that's how I eat now. So for about like six months, I think he thought I would give it up, that like it was just a phase. But when it was clear that it wasn't going to be just a phase, he bought this cookbook for us to decide what we would make together and eat as a family. So I tagged three recipes to tell you guys about that we still make to this day. The first one is called Greek Potatoes. It's basically Greek salad, but instead of the lettuce, it's like on a bed of roasted potatoes. So you have the feta and the kalamata olives, tomatoes if you want, red onion, etc. Delish. So the second recipe is called potato pizza casserole, which is like mandolin potatoes as the base of the pizza instead of a crust. So then you can top with sauce, you can top with cheese, you can top with veggies. Super delish. And then the last one, I'm going to turn the page one moment. It's called barley mushroom pilaf. This became like an instant fave. We even make it sometimes now for Thanksgiving. It's barley with mushrooms and spinach and a ton of cheese. And the way you combine everything together, the barley is hot from being cooked. So you mix it and it makes the spinach nice and like sauteed. And you get all the gooiness from the cheese. It's just straight up delicious. So major props to my dad for agreeing to make this stuff part of our family dinners week to week and on the special occasions. And even though this book is really old now, like 30 years old, um, I still love these recipes. I still turn to this all the time. Or if I'm going home and my dad's like, what would you like for me to make? I still flag stuff from this book. So 
this was like very ahead of its time. Now, if you go out to a restaurant, the menus mark which things are vegetarian or can be made vegetarian. Like when I made this decision as a 13 year old, there were not a lot of options. My dad was definitely like ahead of the game, making these kinds of entrees and side dishes and stuff that was fully veg and very grateful. Love that. I love that at least one of us had like a sentimental aspect to Mm -hmm. their cookbooks because (laughs) mine are like new and things that I've made as a single lady. So that was kind of, that was like a kind of nice balance unintended. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. When we picked this topic, I did have a moment of panic where I was like, as a person who cooks nothing, how am I going to contribute to this conversation? (laughs) That was me with the coffee table books because I was like, I think I own one and I didn't even remember who gave it to me. Um, So I'm not going to dive into too much detail about what I'm reading because the book I'm reading is glossy, which Steph and Molly have both already read and we're going to do an episode about it. So just know that I'm halfway through glossy and that episode is coming soon. Um, If you follow our Instagram or if you follow my Instagram, you probably saw a photo of me sitting in a puppy pile this week reading a book at the same time. Um, I was fostering two tiny baby puppies and at the same time reading Jenny Howe's um, The Makeup Test, which I bought when we went to her um, signing slash reading. Oh, no, she didn't read. (laughs) Talk um, at Belmont Books. Um, It is a book about... A woman who is now in um, a PhD program for literature, and her ex is also in the program. Um, it starts at the beginning of their first year. And, you know, through the course of the book, you find out what happened for them to break up so horrifically. Um, but they are now both studying the same thing and having to deal with each other multiple times a week. And it sort of feels like a second chance mixed with enemies to lovers because she is just gung-ho. I hate this guy. He, he did a horrible thing. I'm not going to get past it. Um, obviously that changes over the course. There's also a really cute Corgi puppy, um, in the book. Um, it also made me forget how smart I used to be (laughs) back in the days of college. It made me feel slightly dumb, um, discussing all the like analytical, analytical, Um, readings and discussions and thinking about that part of my life a million years ago when I had to do that with um, ancient literature. Um, But I loved it. It was fun. Um, And I believe I passed it on to Molly, so she'll probably read it next. Yes. I can't wait to go down the Jenny Howe rabbit hole with the makeup test and on the plus side. Um, I just finished last night, actually, the second Beartown book. We've talked about Frederick Bachman and Beartown quite a bit on this podcast. And I was both excited to read this and also a little bit scared because mm-hmm. I loved the first one so much. And I thought like, how could anything possibly compare to this? But also I was really excited to be reunited with the characters. I think if you loved the first book, you will love this just as much. It's so many of the characters have incredible progressions and there's just a lot of evolution for the town as a whole. There are heartbreaking moments. There are inspirational moments. Um, I'm a big Benji fan and Benji gets a lot more uh, Mm -hmm. airtime in the second book. Um, Also, please follow us on Instagram because we shared so many cool things that Frederick Bachman has been putting on its own account about details behind Beartown in terms of characters or why their jersey numbers are what they are or the fan art that's being created. People have gotten Beartown tattoos. He said there's no official merch from him or his publisher, but he's there should be. But he's happy for people to make their own. Um so I loved this. I know there's a third book, The Winners. I will probably take a petite break from 
living in Sweden. Well, I haven't finished it yet, so I can't give it to you. Yeah, so eventually I will make it to the winners. But um, this morning I started Lauren Oliver's book, Panic, because we have an upcoming episode about many of the Lauren Oliver books. So um, right on to the next and excited for that for future. So please do give us a follow on Instagram at Plans Are Booked. We are having a blast sharing all kinds of reader truths that we're finding in memes and reels and we'd love to connect with you guys there it's also where we're sharing what books we're going to be covering next so if you want to read along with us that is the place to do it until next time our plans are booked